and you know, uh, I, I have to tell you something. I had a, you know, a dream or a vision, and I, it's truly, and I don't know what it was this morning as I was, uh, as I was waking up, and it was like something, uh, some, somebody or something brought me into this house. I was not up here. I was, I came through the back, but I just watched this, just like this, um, this for you know this this strong force just go blam and just you know like in a movie where you see like an atomic blast and just everybody hit the ground it was just just this explosion that came down it was a good thing not a bad thing and then I remember watching the second thing I saw was was just a bunch of instruments on the stage and just all these probably dozens and dozens and dozens of instruments and they just boom this again this force field that just came down and, and knocked it down uh, and then it was then I saw people in our in our church that were that were gathering together in one big room, but they were, they were studying, uh, and there were some teachers and everything, and again, just bam, and I remember seeing this one person uh, teaching, and he, and he just flew back in his chair and, and everything, and again, it was just a, it was a really, really good thing, but it just seemed like th- that there's just, that, that God is going to, God's going to do something cool here. He is doing something cool, but I think we have just started to see some of the great things that God has in store, Amen. Uh, and you know we've been. Uh, I, I wasn't going to preach this message. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. In fact, in fact, the whole series is kind of something that's that's come up that we didn't have planned. Uh, I was, we were going to preach, uh, you know, once or twice on angels, and then it just seemed like that morphed into to something that God wanted to show us. Okay, why do we need uh, spiritual protection and things and, and guidance and stuff? And it's because we we face a spiritual battle. We face a spiritual enemy. So we went into that, and then I went a couple weeks ago to 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 work on a sermon, and it was uh, and. I was planning on doing one message, and this is the message that came out. I was not planning this. This came out of the blue, and I really believe that, uh, that this was, you know, that I'll say this. I guarantee you that I will try my best that when, even though some, we may have something planned, if God puts something else on our heart and puts us in a different direction, we're going to go with whatever God does. Amen? And so we took a look, uh, uh, the last few weeks we've taken a look at some of the characteristics that Jesus says about Satan. And we said that he said that he's a liar, that he's a thief, that he's a murderer, that he's, uh, that he's also the accused. And we took a look at, you know, the effect that those things have in our, in our life. And, and last week we took a look at of one of the weapons that he has, and that's the weapon of opposition. But today I was just thinking, you know, okay, why does he do what he does? I mean, why does he go after, what's his end game? What is his goal? What is his plan? What does he want for humanity? What does he want for this, uh, for, for God's creation? And we've taken a look, you know, just a snippet of that and saying, he knows, Satan knows that he cannot attack God directly anymore. He knows that. He tried, didn't work, and, and he was thrown to, thrown to earth as a result of that. So, so what he does is he goes after that which is most important to God, which is us. We are the apple of God's eyes. We're the, we're the, we're the, the, the crown of God's creation. And, and any parent knows this. You want to go after you, you go after your, your children, right? I mean, that's the way you really get after uh, somebody. And that's what, God, what Satan is trying to do with God's children. He's going after us as a way to get to, to God. And he hates us because we're a beloved of, 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 his, uh, of his enemy. And then uh, and also this, so, but his number one goal that we have to take a look at is, is Satan desires to keep us from salvation. And, and I want to show two key words. And I want you to say these words. Say the word, uh, say, say the word blind and snatches. Say blind. Say snatches. 
All right, remember those two things because these words are gonna come up and this, you're gonna be able to go, okay, this is what Satan's about. He blinds and he snatches. And the first thing he wants to do is, is God's plan for humanity. He makes it clear in, in 1 Timothy, he says this, God our Savior wants all people to, to be saved and come to the knowledge of, of, of the truth. In other words, God's passion for creation is he wants every person on this, on this earth to come to a personal relationship with his son, Jesus Christ, to have their sins forgiven. God wants to populate heaven. God wants to populate earth with people who have a relationship with the, with the living God. That is God's plan for your life and my life and for, and for humanity. So what do you think Satan's plan is? If God wants all people to be saved, Satan wants all people to be lost. Satan wants all people to go into a Christless eternity. God wants, uh, Satan wants all people to not, to not see, to be blind to the things of the Spirit, to be blind of who God is and what he wants to do in their, in their life. In fact, that's straight from 2 Corinthians 4, 3. It says this, even if our God gospel, Paul's talking here, is veiled. It is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded, there it is, blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of God who is in God's image. Who's the God of this age? It's Satan. What does he want to do? He wants to blind unbelievers so they never see the truth of the, the gospel. And we're going to take a look at the parable of the sower. This is a story that Jesus told, a, a parable that he told, and it has a message. And, and in, the, in the gospels, he tells the, the whole thing, and then he gives the interpretation. But we're going to take a look at one little snippet, then the interpretation. One snippet, then the interpretation. And here's the first one in Matthew. It says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Here's the interpretation. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and, what's the word? Snatches away the, what was sown in, uh, in his heart or her heart. This is the seed that was sown among the path. So Satan blinds and Satan snatches. And we can relate that in our own life, can't we? I mean, for those that, that did not come to faith in Christ at an early age, there was probably a time where you recognized that you were blinded to, to the truth of the gospel. I mean, I look back in my life and I'm going, how can I've been, how could I miss this? How could I miss this kind of love? How could I miss this incredible story? How could I miss who God was and what he wanted to be in my life? How could I be so blind? And maybe you've thought that too. Now you know how you could have been so blind because there really was an enemy that was fighting against, uh, against that, that uh, what God wanted to, the that God wanted to plant in your, your life. And many of you right now, you're praying for friends. You're praying for family members. You're praying for loved ones that do not know God. And you're probably thinking the same thing. You're going, how did they not see this? How did they not understand what is wrong with this picture? I mean, here God is offering the, the deal of the, uh, of the, the century. That God is offering that we give him our sin and we get his forgiveness. We give him our brokenness and we get his wholeness. We get, it, we get our, our weakness and we get his strength. We get our lack. We get his provision. What's wrong with this picture? How do you not see this? How can can you be so, what is it, blind, right? Now we know. And that's why it's so important to pray for people that you love and care about because it's a spiritual battle. And we're not going to win this spiritual battle with a bunch of arguments. And of course, we should share our, our testimony. We should, should invite and things like this. But it's going to be won on our knees. This battle is going to be won on our knees because it's a spiritual battle. And spiritual battles are won with spiritual forces. And can I just, um, can I say this too? This is important. And, and I'd be less than a pastor to, to not say this. If you're here today or if you're listening to, to, to this message right now or even in a few days from now, and, and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you've never surrendered your life to Christ and received his forgiveness, whose 
will for your life are you fulfilling? And, 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 and we may never thought of that. But if we're not, if you've never done that, you're fulfilling Satan's will for your life, not God's will for your life. You know, we just said what God's will for your life is. And so I'd be less than a, a pastor to not, let's just bow our head right now. And if you're here today, if you're listening to this, and you'd say, you know what? I don't want Satan's will for my life. I want God's will for my life. I don't want Satan's will for my eternity. I want God's will for my eternity. I want, I want that plan. And here's, here's a word I keep hearing. I keep hearing, I keep hearing. It's time, it's time. And that's registering to somebody here. It's time. You've put it off, you've put it off. There's nothing, and for this, this is your moment. This is your destiny. This is your, this is for such a time as this. And if we could just, if that's you and just everybody else, if you can repeat after me, uh, sincerely from your heart, dear Jesus, I love you and I want you in my life. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to you. And I receive your eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, we want to, in here, we want to go to the people in the back there. They've got a gift for you. They want to pray for you. But they've got a book that I wrote for exactly people like you. Okay, what do I do? What do I do now? And there's, uh, and also if you're, if you're online, let us know about that decision that you made. Let us celebrate with that. Because right now the Bible says that, that all of heaven is celebrating for the decision that you made right now. And, uh, and, and, and and we want to celebrate along, along with you. And this is not the end of the journey. This is the beginning of a great new relationship that you have with, uh, with God. So we celebrate that. Uh, and and Satan's desire, first of all, okay, if he can't get you where if you've already received Jesus, so what now what's his plan for your life? If you've done that, if you've already received that, what's his plan for your life? And here's the, the word Satan's desire is for you to have shallow faith. Say the word shallow. So first we talk about that he wants to blind and he wants to snatch the, the truth of God's word and what he wants in our, our life. But the next thing is, is he wants us to have shallow faith. He wants us to have shallow roots. And let's go back to the parable of the sower. Some seed fell along the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had, don't miss this, they had no root. The one who received the seed that fell on the rocky places, here's the interpretation, is the man or woman who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he or she has no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away quickly. So Satan's desire for your life is you not to have, not to have a root, not to be rooted in the faith, to, ha- to have a shallow faith. And, and any of us who are gardeners have ever done gardening, you understand that sometimes there's just these plants that look like they should have roots that go forever, right? I've had, I remember this weed that was just huge and I remember just going... Well, that was easy. You know, it just kind of just came up with just a barely, a barely a tug. But I remember one time I had, a, I had a tree growing in my garden. And I don't know where this thing came from, but it was one rambunctious little, you know, little tree. And I tried to kill the thing. I tried two or three times to lop it off and everything, and this thing would not die. So finally I said, if you can't beat it, join it, right? And so I, I thought, I'm going to plant this thing over here and see, and see what happens to it. But I start digging to get this thing up. And I remember putting the shovel down after several minutes ago and you got to be kidding me. I actually said that out loud because this thing had a taproot that had to go around the earth's core. It was that deep. And I mean, and, and so, and we know people that are like both of those, don't we? We've, we've all seen people that the littlest thing can uproot them. 
the littlest thing can, get, can keep them away from, from God, can keep them away from the, from, from, from the church, can, can do that. We know the littlest thing or just some little argument or something like this or some problem or some difficulty and boom, they're gone. But we also know people that, that, that man, when, when it seems like all hell is broken loose in their life and, and they stay strong and, and they stay rooted and it's like those palm trees that we see in the 150 mile an hour winds and, and no matter what goes, they just stay there and, and, and they don't even stay there. They somehow grow even in the midst of this. In the middle of the storm, they even grow even, even stronger. We know that, let me ask you this question, which one do you think God wants in our life? A shallow thing that, that, that just like a pine tree that boom, the little storm and boom, it's gone or do you think he wants us to be you know rooted and deeply strengthened in the in the faith you know i love our 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 youth group i love our youth group and i love the the uh (laughs) amen and you know our our middle school youth group their uh, their name is is rooted and isn't that perfect and they're in and because that's what god wants for their life can you imagine if all of our youth were rooted in the word of god but that's God's will, not only for their life, God, that's God's will for every one of us in here. And if you go in their room, there's a, there's a verse that's, uh, that's on, their, on their wall and it says, so then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to, to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith you were taught, as you were taught, and overflowing with, uh, with thankfulness. And that's God's will for your life. It's not just that you come to faith in Christ. He wants you to root, he wants your roots to go down. He wants you to be built up in the faith. He wants you to be strengthened in the faith. And you know and I know that doesn't just happen. It's not just, it, that doesn't just accidentally take place. There's steps that we have to do to grow physically, right? You, you exercise, you eat right. That's how you grow physically. And the same thing spiritually, it doesn't just happen. There's things that we do to accomplish that. There's steps that we take to grow more as a Christian. There's steps that we take to make our root, the roots grow down. And you know, I was thinking just, just kind of as I, was, as I was studying this, thinking of the strongest the people that are strong in the faith that I've ever known in my lifetime. And I was just kind of doing a mental inventory and thinking, okay, what is it? And this could be a, this could be a sermon in itself. But just going, what is it about those? And I was trying to go, okay, the, you know, what do they have in common? Because they're so different. You know, so different of where they live and uh, situations of life and gender and everything. I mean, they're so different. But it's like an age, and, but, but they all had some things in common. They all, first and foremost, they knew the Holy Spirit intimately. They knew that life, to, to, to live this life as a Christian wasn't self-effort. It wasn't us trying to do, just do the right thing. It was allowing God's spirit to work in us and through us to live that life, that we live that life through, through God's power working through us. But there was also things that I thought every one of them that I know of has a strong devotional life. Every one of them, they, they are in the word of God. They are people of prayer. They're spending time getting to know their, 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 their God and, and, and spending time intimately. They are feeding themselves. But there's something too, I thought also, they're hungry to learn. They're doing exactly what you're doing right now, either in this room or listening. You're, you're taking time, you're taking a step to grow more as a believer. There's the people that are coming on Wednesday night and the men's study and the women's study and retreats and anything else we offer. It's things like that because they're taking steps to go, you know what, I'm hungry. I don't want to stay where I am. I want to take steps to grow more as a, as a believer. And you take that, that, that step. And so that's what you're doing even now, and I applaud you for that. There's the, it's also the people that, that this, it's the people that's, that, that are involved in a ministry. Every single person I knew in that, you could say, hey, what do you do? What are you doing for the kingdom of God? And they could go this, this, this. They could say at least one thing that they're heavily involved in, in a ministry. The, you, the way you grow spiritual muscles is to exercise those spiritual muscles, just like the way you grow physical, physical muscles. And... 
And so, uh, and, and also, for, for whatever reason, this is true too. They're all just generous people. I don't know what that is in the heart of God and how it takes us to another step. But there's just, it's living outside of ourselves and saying, you know what, I exist also for other people. And, and, and just, I see that. So, so but, but these are the things that Satan will try to do all those things to try to, uh, to keep you away from those things and keep me away from those things. And let's go back to the parable of the sower. So here's the first word. First word is, is what? It's, it's to, to, to blind and it's to what? Snatch. And the next one is, is, is what? Shallow. And this one is the word choke, okay? Here's, here it is. The all, uh, other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And, and here's the interpretation. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man or woman who hears the word of God, but the worries of this life and the de- uh, deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. First and foremost, he doesn't want us to see the word of God. He wants our faith to be shallow and he wants to choke that which God wants to do in our life to make us ineffective. Satan wants to make you ineffective for the kingdom of God. And here, Bobby and I were, uh, were on a mission trip to, to Africa one time and we came across something that is really rare to see uh, in nature. In fact, Animal Planet wanted to buy this, uh, this from us and even discover or the Good Morning America actually pirated from, from something. We put it online. It has over, at last time I saw it, it was over 13 million hits on it. But what it is, is a, it's a python, a 15-foot python we ran across that is constricting an inyala, which is a, which is a big African a- antelope. And we're watching that. We watch that for a long time. And you just watch this thing. It's just, as it squeezes, as it chokes the life out of this thing. And it's, it's just, uh, you know, it's just, I'm not going to show it here because it's pretty intense. And it's just squeezing the life out of this. And, and I'm saying, isn't that what Satan does a lot of times? Uh, rarely does he come up and just do this right away and, and do it. But it's just that he just, one thing after the other, he just chokes our effectiveness. He chokes our effectiveness. He chokes our effectiveness for the, uh, for the kingdom of, uh, of God. And one big way that he does that is through, is through discouragement. I don't have to tell you that. I mean, one thing that you look at, at, at David and you look at Moses and you look at Elijah and you look at Paul and, and one thing they all had in common besides you know, mighty men of faith is every single one of them got discouraged, hugely discouraged at one time and had to fight that. And every single one of us, if you've ever lived on this planet, you know what discouragement is. If you've ever tried to do anything for God, you know what discouragement is. You, we understand that. And that's one big way. Who do you think, where do you think that comes from? That doesn't come from God. Discouragement comes from Satan to try to get us off off track and everything. What do you think Satan wants to do? He wants you looking in the wrong direction and he wants you distracted he, so we can defeat you and he can, he can pick us off. That's his goal for our life. And distraction is a, is, a, is a big thing. You think about it. The children of Israel, we looked at this uh, a few months ago, but remember the children of Israel, they were g- going to come and, and rebuild the temple which is an incredibly important thing for them. And they got, and man, they, they all came back from captivity and they, had, they rolled up their arms and they are getting it on, y'all. They are getting it on. They are doing an amazing job building the temple and then all of a sudden, they got distracted. I didn't say they became wicked. I didn't say they started worshiping other gods. They simply became distracted. Other things became more important than that. Maybe it's this. Maybe building their own house became more important than building God's house. Maybe it was their own empire became a little more important than God's kingdom. Maybe it was doing things. Maybe it was, it was uh, that, that their little thing became more important than God's big thing. I don't know what it was, but here's what we know. Here's what we know without a question is, is that, that people stopped showing up to the job site. And it wasn't just, I'm sure they were thinking, you know what, this is just going to last a few days, a few weeks as I get my th- stuff together. But pretty soon, those days went into weeks, and those weeks went into months, and those months went into 16 years. And here's 
here's the thing that they understood that we need to understand is that a distracted Christian can be just as ineffective for the kingdom of God as a non-Christian. I want to say that again. A distracted Christian can be just as ineffective for the kingdom of God as somebody who has no faith in Jesus Christ whatsoever. And for some reason, I thought of this, this young lady in one of my youth groups, and, and she was a good girl, man, just an amazing girl. And, she, and, and on paper, she was one of the most talented, gifted people I've ever known in my life. She, could, she was this beautiful girl that could sing like a, sing like a bird. And she had leadership out the wazoo. She, was, she, was, uh, she could speak, just this incredible public speaker. And, and, but here's the thing. I watched as she just got more and more distracted. I did not say she became evil. I did not say she became a drug addict. I did not say she you know, gave her body away. I'm just saying, here it was. She was distracted with good things, but she still was distracted. And all of a sudden, even though I'd put her in the top few of the people that I've ever seen that could have been used for the kingdom of God, I wouldn't put her in the top 500 of anybody that I saw for being used of God. Because again, she wasn't wicked. She was just distracted. And before we start you know, saying you know, things about other people, we know that same thing in our life. We've had that happen. Because remember the, I mean, if, you, if you're a parent, and there's, your, your child has something that you don't want them to have. You don't have to grab it and push them down and pull, pull it out of their hand. Just grab some keys, right? And all you have to do is just grab the keys and, hey, look at this. Look at this. And they, they drop that and they go like this, right? They go after that. All you have to do is give them something shiny or something loud, right? And the same thing. How many times has Satan done that to my life and to your life and just shaking some keys and he, just to get us off track because he doesn't like the good thing that we're holding on to and it may not be a bad thing and maybe I mean it can be recreation it can be it can be sports it can be it can be um, you know TV is a big thing I don't, I don't know what it is for you I know what it is for me some of the distractions that he does that that with but here's the um, but here's the thing too uh, is that let me, let me just say this. If our, the number one thing that we're supposed to do is love God with all of our heart and soul and strength and mind, and Jesus says that, uh, that, that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If we wake up every day and the, fir- the greatest thing that is on our mind is not to, to know God better that day and to love God and to serve God well, maybe we're distracted. God says that we're supposed to, to uh, not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing. And if we're in the habit of, of not getting meeting together, maybe, maybe, maybe you're distracted. If you don't have a quiet time, if you don't have a time set aside where it's just God and you, where you can grow and you can feed yourself, maybe you're distracted. And God says this, that, that we are created. He says, you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And if you're not involved in a ministry, maybe you're distracted from the very things that God wants. And maybe what Satan is wanting to do and make us shallow and make us, make us all those things and, make us cho- and choke us from effectiveness, maybe it's working in our, uh, in our life. And I want, to hear, I want you to hear this. I'm not doing this to heap guilt on you or, or, or myself or just condemnation or anything. I'm saying we need to be aware of what his actions are and what he's trying to do and keep us away from being effective and keep us shallow and keep us, keep us unrooted and, and, and things. We need to be aware of that. And you know, uh, Beachy uh, and said something to me as we were, as we were doing this uh, sermon. He said something that I thought was so good. He said, maybe, you know, maybe just all the, 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 the hot button topics in our, t- in, our, uh, in our generation right now, maybe that's just to be a distraction. 
And I thought, you know, think about that. I mean, the, the, our, our nation has been obsessed with basically one, one hot-button topic for, for, you know, just about a, a generation. And the church has been obsessed with that too. And I'm not saying it's not important or anything like that. But man, has it not just consumed everything that it's, that's becomes the most important thing? It's become more important than, the, than what's on the back wall, which is everything. And that's go and make disciples of all nations. And maybe the things that, and, and think about just even the other day, okay? Think of a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were so as a nation, we were binding together as I love what our nation does is our, our nation gets together and our nation is, is realizing that there's, that there's struggles in, in Texas and there's struggles in Florida and there's struggles in, in Mexico City and there's struggles in the, in the Caribbean and everything. And we gather together and you see the most beautiful thing. You see, you see young and old and, and black and white and, and, and everything. You see all the different things working together, shoulder to shoulder, side by side, and they're working together and you know that bug saint. You know he hates it when we get together and love people in the name of Jesus. So what were we obsessed with last week? The NFL, right? And maybe, 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 is it possible that, you know, I have a friend that does this when he gets excited. He does this. And maybe, maybe, maybe we have a, you know, Satan, as we were getting our mind off everything that was important and all of a sudden just doing this, maybe, 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 I'm not saying it was, but maybe that was just a distraction to keep us away from loving people and serving people and making a difference in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And then, uh, so, so there's an, another thing that he says, oh, and, and can I be real? Not only does he distract us for, a, for seasons, but he tries to distract us every day of our life, doesn't he? I mean, think of it. I don't know about you, but every day, uh, every day of my life is a battle to make the main things the main things and keep the main things, keep my relationship with God, keep my relationship with family, things like this. It's a distraction every day. And, and I'll be honest with you. Can I just be real? It's, uh, it is very possible for me to do a message on distractions and get so distracted that I forget why I'm doing it. It's so, it is easy for me every day of my life to, to, to be so conscious of ministry and be involved in ministry that I forget the one who I'm doing ministry for. Very possible. And I'll tell you one thing, that, that it would be possible every day to get into the Word of God so much for you that I don't get in it for me. And that's one thing that I have to discipline myself just about every morning in my life. I wake up and the first thing I do is read the Bible because I know something. I know if I don't get it in my life for me, I'm not going to be anything for giving it for you. And I know that the first and foremost, because, and I'll tell you every single thing, every day of my life, just like you, there's distraction to try to keep me from having a quiet time, to keep me from, 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 from pouring into people's lives. There's always distractions. We need to be aware of those distractions so we can combat those dis- distractions. And finally is Satan brings disunity. You know, Jesus could have prayed for anything in this world. He could have prayed for anything. Uh, of, he was, we have, we have a, a, what he prayed, his final prayer in this, in this world. And here's what, he, here's what he prayed. My prayer is not for them alone, talking about his disciples. He's praying to the Father. I pray also for those who will believe in me through this, their message. Don't miss this, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. Here it is again. May they be brought into complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Why does Satan hate unity so much? Because God loves it so much. Because Satan knows that where there is unity, God shows up. And where there's disunity, God has a tendency to back off. And he knows that united we what? And divided we what? 
So he's going to do everything he can to divide us. And all we have to do is look at, at what's happening. Our, our country in many ways is, is divided. It's, it, Satan has tried so hard and worked so effectively lately of making it always us against them, whoever the us is and whoever them is. And it doesn't matter, does it? But it just seems like he's, he's pitting us one against the other and we need to realize who's doing this and why he's doing it because he hates unity because God loves it so much. And, and, and you know, I've never... Um, I've never been in the military. I th- I'm very thankful for those who have, who have uh, laid down their life for, for me. But I really believe that if I was in the military, I truly believe this, that if I was fighting in World War II against Hitler and I'm in a foxhole and there's a firefight coming at, at me, I doubt I would yell and go, you know, over to the person next to me, who'd you vote for? You know, or, or, you know, or what political party are you? And I wouldn't give a rip what color they were. I wouldn't give a, give a rip what, whether they were old or young. I wouldn't give a rip of anything of that. That You know why? It's because, it's because the things that would unite us to take down a tyrant, to take down, to, to, to save lives, to keep people free, to get people free, would be far more important than any difference that we had in the foxhole. And in the same, in the same way, I really believe that, you know, I've, I've had the blessing of serving around the, the world with, with people of, of different ethnicities. I've, I've served in, I've served with, with Hispanics in, in, in countries of, of, of Ecuador and, and, and Nicaragua and Guatemala and Brazil on many occasions. And I've worked in, in, in Africa with, with, in, with, in Kenya and in Mozambique and in South Africa. And I've, I've worked in Asia with, 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 with South Africa and, and and, and Thailand and Singapore, Malaysia and stuff. And here's the thing I found out. Not once, ever, 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 ever did the issue of race come up. Ever, ever once. Not once. You know why? Because when we were so different, we were, we were, uh, we were culturally different. We were, we were racially different. We were lingually different in so many ways. And it didn't matter because we had something that was so in common. That's what we were. We were fighting for the same cause of bringing people to faith in Jesus Christ and discipling people in faith and getting the love of Jesus out to people that the things that divided us didn't matter because the things that united us were so important. And in fact, we used our diversity for our advantage for the kingdom of God. We used our, advan- our, our diversity. I'll give you an example of that. Like the, when the youth, when we, went to, uh, when we went to Nicaragua, two things. I saw, you know, we had men and women. And if we just had men, we wouldn't have been able to, w- to serve in the women's prison. If we just had women, we wouldn't be able to serve in the men's prison. But because we had diversity, we were able to serve in, in both. And what better person to be able to share a testimony to a bunch of youth than youth? Wouldn't be, I mean, I could go up there and speak and it may do one thing, but man, when a youth saying, this is what Jesus has done in my life, those youth are all things. So the diversity helped out. I'll just give an example like in, the, in, in Africa. You know, we, we would go there and we would, we would had people that were going to come to a, to a crusade that we had that night and we would go out and we'd go hut to hut. We'd go door to door. And, and we'd have Americans along with Africans. And here's the thing. And sometimes it was an advantage to, to be white because they'd never seen a white people, a, a person where, where we went sometimes. And, and all of a sudden, that got their attention. And we'd go door to door and suddenly there's... And, and if it was just an African there, it wouldn't have gotten their attention. They would probably really not have a big reason to, get, to go and walk a long way for, for that. But if it was just an, an American there, they probably wouldn't trust me. Uh, because, because they didn't know me. But when they had somebody they knew and somebody that was so different, that was able, they'd show up. They'd show up in droves. They'd show up by the hundreds. They'd show up by the, by, by the thousands. 
And here's the really cool thing too, is we'd have somebody that would be usually been African that would, that would welcome everybody. Because man, they knew and they trust and they go, oh, okay, here's somebody we trust. And then they'd have, then we'd, uh, we'd do, you know, some, usually some skits and dramas and, and testimonies and things like this. And it was so cool to have, again, we had a diversified group there. And sometimes it was best to see, man, there's one of our own. There's an African-American up there. And, and man, we can relate to that. And other times it was just, wow, here's an American and things. But then say, say I went up and, and spoke, I would speak and I'd get people to the altar. But I didn't know how to lead them in to Christ in that culture. So then I'd give it back over to the African. And here's the beautiful thing. When we were working side by side and hand in hand, with our diversity using our diversity for the kingdom of God because God made us different and God made us different for a purpose and God made us different for a reason but God made us different for a beautiful thing that if we just grow our hands and go hand in hand you know what we saw? We saw hundreds and we saw thousands of people come to faith in Jesus Christ and that's my vision for this church that always know diversity whatever the diversity is that we use it for the kingdom of God not against where it pits against each other where Satan's doing this anytime but we go it's time it's time that we understand that anytime you see disunity it's Satan's work it, whether it's in a family whether it's in a church whether it's in a community, whether it's in job, whether it's a nation, whatever it is, saints just doing this and it's high time that we say enough of that, no more. That we're going to not, that we just pause in the middle of the fight in, a, in our family. That we just go, no, it's not about this. This is not, we're, we're not going to do this anymore and make him happy. Let's make God do this and let's make Satan unhappy, right? And here's the thing that, listen to this verse in scripture. It says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Don't miss this. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond and peace. And I love that word effort because it's an effort, isn't it? I mean, because why is it an effort? Because there is a force. There is an evil one. There is his, his minions that are trying to keep us away, that are trying to bring disunity. So it takes effort to, to continue to be united, effort to continue to hold hands, effort that despite the differences to be able to, and I love what, I love what the message translation says be quick at mending fences isn't that beautiful and listen to this Romans 12 if it is possible don't miss this as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone we can't help anybody else we cannot ever determine anybody else's reaction to us but we can determine our reaction to them we can love in the name of Jesus we can we can put the 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 olive branch forth we can try to bring that that unity we can't depend on what they do to us but we can show love and acceptance in the name of Jesus Christ to, to them amen and here's if we could just bow our head and close our eyes let's bring this together what's the one thing you can do to put your roots down a little deeper to grow in your faith to build yourself up in the faith what's the one thing that God's right now saying here's that step here's that step you can take to be rooted and to grow what's the area where you're being distracted What's the thing that may not be a bad thing, but right now it's keeping you from the best thing. It's keeping you from what you were created to do, to love and serve God with all your heart. What are some areas where there's disunity between you and another person, between you and another whatever group? What's something you can do to extend the olive branch? What's something you can do And you know, there's a passage in Revelation that he 
that Jesus talked to different churches. And he said to the church of Ephesus, you've forgotten your first love. And I, I didn't say this in the first service, but this is it. There's people here that there was a time you were closer to God than you are right now. And God's wooing you back. He's calling you back into deep relationship with Him. Maybe there was a time you served Him more. And God's wooing you back. But God, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that God, you help us faith go deep. That you help us not be distracted, to shake off that distraction every day and to be rooted and grounded in love even despite our diversity. Help us be united in our differences. And all God's people said, Amen.